Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this doing morning? Doing well, doing well. Excellent. And, uh, we are having a, having a lesson today on the First Amendment. Yes. It's in jeopardy. Yeah. And there's a little bit of confusion out there about what the First Amendment says. Some people think that you have more freedom if you get rid of the First Amendment. The yeah. freedom for them to say whatever they want and lie their way into controlling the government. And they certainly lie about what the Constitution says. But no, there was a legislation uh, revealing what uh, Sheila Jackson Lee actually believes. Uh, but I, I think uh, it's a good lesson because everything she thinks and, and talks about and what she likes is, is a message because it's exactly opposite of what yeah. the First Amendment says. You know, she said that anybody, uh, she introduced a bill to criminalize the conspiracy to commit white supremacy, criticism of non-white pe yeah. people. So. You, I mean, it's, it's just totally re ridiculous, you know. Uh, I so often have mentioned that if you believe in the First Amendment, you get to say the critical things, the things that uh, people don't want you to say, criticizing your own government. Yeah. But here, you know, she, she wants to punish people. And one of the reasons why this is so foolish, because let's give her the benefit of the doubt that she's not uh, so solidly in, in the position that we need chaos in the streets in order to remake the, the, the world. Yeah. And she, she may way well be uh, you know, a Marxist in that sense. But that, that isn't uh, exactly it. She's, but what she's saying is that, um, th that, that we are going to punish white people uh, you, you know, for, for saying something that they de decide is criticizing a black man. Does that mean I can't say anything about Obama? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's okay. And that, that means everything is racist. Yeah. And uh, I, I think my experience in, in Washington uh, uh, for the, the members in Congress, I think it's changing. I think the colors are changing in Washington. Uh -huh. And I see some pretty bright uh, minorities, and I think that is good. But I don't like it, anything to segregate and define. I don't even like them reporting on election night, well, how did the black people yeah, vote? Yeah. How did the Hispanic people vote? How did the white people vote? And, and that's all fostered by, uh, you, you know, the, the media. Sure, can be interesting, but I just uh, don't think they should hold on pins and needles. And I often wondered how they're able to dignify that because, uh, you know, I've lived in places where minorities live next to me. Do, yeah. don't, do they get counted as white people or what? So they, they, if they do it by geography. But I, I, just, I just think it's horrible what she has uh, introduced, but we should learn the lesson. And if you look at it and people read this, uh, just, just assume everything she says, the opposite yeah. is, is true. And uh, I would uh, say that my most severe criticism of this is anti-libertarian. Yeah. It is not based on the basis of a, of, a, of a principle of liberty. And it's certainly not based on anything whatsoever in the Constitution. Yeah, that is true. Well, let's take a look at how some of the right-wing uh, Twitter is looking at it. And of course, obviously, they're critical of it. Here's the National Conservative. Congressman Sheila Jackson Lee just introduced a bill that would make it a federal crime for white people and white people only 
to criticize mass immigration or to say anything that she claims would vilify a, quote, non-white person or group. And Gateway Pundit is next. Let's put that one on. Uh, it's, they say, radical Democrat Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee introduces a bill to make white people criticizing minorities a federal offense, which is pretty much exactly what the bill is. And let's go next to the next one, because this is the bill itself, H.R. 61, to prevent and prosecute white supremacy-inspired hate crime and conspiracy to commit white supremacy-inspired hate crime and to amend Title 18 of the U.S. Code to expand the scope of hate crimes. Now, that second part is something new and novel, which is very interesting in the bill, um, which is, uh, if we can put that back up, conspiracy to commit white supremacy-inspired hate crime. <laughs> and what this means is you could have nothing remotely to do whatsoever with the crime committed somewhere you don't even know where it is. But if you had said something or posted something uh, on social media that Sheila Jackson Lee thinks might have inspired <laughs> some kook over here to, to hurt someone, then you are actually guilty of a federal crime and can be prosecuted as a federal criminal. That is how wild and insane it is. And I think, Dr. Paul, we can laugh at it. We can talk a little bit about Sheila Jackson Lee later because we remember her very well from her time on the Hill. But the, the thing is, even if we can laugh at how crazy the bill is and how crazily it's written, which we'll also talk about, there's something about it that's profoundly not funny and very scary. <laughs> that's for sure. You know, the one thing I don't think um, Sheila understands and the people who promote what she says, and, uh, and that is this idea, it's all based... And, and, and their intentions, I don't know, because we can't read exactly what they're thinking. But give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, you know, there's been unfairness in the world. There's been slavery, yeah, and we sure. have to do this, and we have to make sure everything is fair. And, but the assumption of all this stuff that they do is based on the fact that they think minorities are, are, men, are, are minorities, yeah. they, you know, that they're, they're uh, incapable of solving our problem. I love the stories of people who uh, had been slaves and they get, they get rid of their slavery and their bounds, which are government produced, yeah. and how productive they have. And these are wonderful stories. But, the, but the, the, the people like this resent this. They don't want to hear about the success. But they, 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 once you assume, well, minorities need protection, they need help, you're insinuating they're, they're inferior. Yeah, incapable, yeah. Yeah, why, why do they need this? And, uh, you know, that, that to me is one of the things. And uh, I think it not only is uh, not beneficial, it's very harmful. I think this, is, uh, this, this teaches people to raise up that uh, they, they have, uh, if, if they're in a minority, that uh, something terrible is done, and anything that they fail at, there's an excuse. It's never the responsibility. It's like only only minorities have these kind of problems yeah. but but you know when you when you think of the problems that they they deal with and they're real because they're usually government created but since the population of uh white people is so much greater than minorities if you have problems of poverty or whatever that, that's going on and you want to deal with it well you know they don't talk about well, you know, 10 times more white people, yeah. <laughs> you know, have this problem. But that's why it's so hateful uh, to, to use this. And, of course, I think the epitome of this ridiculous hate about this it was the, 
the president. Yeah. When he, he tells a, a black man, when he's talking to him, they tried to have a conversation yeah. there. And, he, and when Biden says, you know, voting, he says, well, buddy, you, you ain't black if you don't vote for me. Yeah. How can anything be more ridiculous and more hateful than that? <laughs> the question is, could Biden be uh, prosecuted under that crime if he said this to the <laughs> yeah, remember it, question. He could actually be going up himself. <laughs> well, it is an attack on the First Amendment, and the First Amendment is part of the Constitution that all members of Congress, including Sheila Jackson Lee, swore to uphold. So you, you do have that there. But, you know, once again, we turn to our friend Jonathan Turley, who's very good at spotting these things and analyzing them. Analyzing. Let's put this next note. This is from his website, JonathanTurley.org, which obviously you should read every day. He's always got something very interesting there. He says, House bill would criminalize social media postings supporting white supremacy or replacement theory. And he talks about the anti-free speech movement in the U.S. continues to grow with alarming speed among writers, journalists, academics, and most importantly, Democratic members of Congress. Openly calling for censorship. And I think he captures it in that first sentence, Dr. Paul, which is, yes, we can laugh at Sheila Jackson Lee. We can laugh at how absurd this whole thing is. However, it's part of a larger movement. Now, she may be on the outer fringe of that movement. But, you know, if you if you look at Hegelian dialectics, she's bringing the synthesis back toward her her position and put that back up really quick, too, because as we were talking, I also thought this, too, because Jonathan Turley says something pretty strong about this. He says this bill is an almost impenetrable word salad of convoluted provisions. <laughs> now, that was criticizing a black person, and he is definitely white. I think Turley himself could be prosecuted under this bill. But let's cut to the chase. This is how Sheila Jackson Lee's staff, and let's be honest, it was her staff. This is how they wrote this bill. And see if anyone can understand what this actually says. Let's go to the next one. This is the central provision of the bill. A person engages in white supremacy-inspired hate crime when white supremacy ideology has motivated the planning, development, preparation, or perpetration of actions that constituted a crime or were undertaken in furtherance of activity that, if effectuated, would have constituted a crime. Is that clear, Dr. Paul, to you? <laughs> clear as mud. You know, if, these kind of things are easier to sort out if you have a, a libertarian view because the lines are sharply drawn. You can't hurt people. And uh, and you and you can't uh, steal from people, yeah. and you can't take. It is very sharp if you hurt people. Fine, but it doesn't say you can't insult people. And uh, besides, when you start talking about hate, uh, that that is a very subjective uh, position to take. It has nothing to do with objectivity. So, oh yeah, he said something that was very hateful. Yeah, that wasn't very nice. But the whole thing is. Is that's the reason there is a First Amendment. And I think the founders, the early politicians, they did not mince words. Yeah. They were pretty strong on that, and they believed that's what they were uh, pr protecting. And uh, it, uh, it's, it's something that I think that people don't realize that, uh, you know, hate and, uh, you know, dislike, these are subjective, and they're just tools of mischief. They maybe want the mischief for the sake of the mischief, or they might want to just get an advantage, or they might want to not, uh, you know, assume responsibility for themselves if, if something goes wrong. It wasn't my fault, you know. You know, it was somebody else's fault. Yeah. I was born that way, yeah. so therefore I can't ever overcome it. Then when you look at how many people of all colors 
have been born with handicaps that that's the and the ones that we really praise are the ones who do these fantastic successes you know and overcome that so i i just i just think this is the worst thing you could do if you cared deeply about people who are struggling and sometimes legitimately being being so-called mistreated yeah. but not not abuse. Now, what we're talking about here is legal abuse and threats and intimidation and uh, something that uh, is going to hurt the very people they think they're going to help. You know, one of the things I was most proud of, I think, when I work in your office is how clearly the bills that we drafted for you were written. I mean, you could literally go into there. And I'm not patting myself on the back because everyone else in your office was the same way. You could literally go in and read any Ron Paul bill that was drafted by his staff and immediately understand what it was about, what it tried to do, and a good sense of the background of why it was written. And they were usually pretty short, <laughs> you know. And so we talk a lot about how the bills written by other members are long and convoluted paragraph three section whatever and it's and it's all a way of obfuscating what they're actually trying to do which is something bad but sheila jackson lee takes it to a whole new level in the way her staff drafts her bills let's look at this this is a little bit more and this is from turley's analysis of it and it's actually very sinister behind it but we can almost read it and just scratch our heads the jackson lee bill would allow postings on social media to be the basis for criminal charges. <laughs> now I'm going to read a little bit more and see if, if, if we can all help follow along with this bill. At least one of whom published material advancing white supremacy, white supremacist ideology, antagonism based on replacement theory, or hate speech that vilifies or is otherwise directed against any non-white person or group and such published material, or was published on a social media platform or by other means of publication with the likelihood that it would be viewed by persons who are predisposed to engaging in any action in furtherance of a white supremacy inspired hate crime who, who are, or who are susceptible to being encouraged to engage in actions in furtherance of a white supremacy inspired hate crime. And go to the next one. This is the next part. Could, as determined by a reasonable person, motivate actions by a person predisposed to engaging in a white supremacy inspired hate crime or by a person who is susceptible to being encouraged to engage in actions relating to a white supremacy inspired hate crime or was read heard or viewed by a person who engaged in the planning development preparation or perpetration of white inspired white supremacy inspired hate crime and he says uh, turley says this bizarrely written responsible person standard is so opaque and cryptic that it is enthralling. Well, that was a long <laughs> thing, you know, that's holy man, that's, <laughs> that's a lot to study. I, that would be tough if we had to memorize that for school or something. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if we're not careful, that's that what we're doing with to. the way our public <laughs> schools are going. But, uh, you know, this could be simplified, and I'd simplify it once again with a, with, a, with a rule, a basic rule that could be incorporated into a legal system. Don't hurt people yeah. and don't mess around with their stuff. Yeah. That would be really complicated. I wonder if they would understand that. The trouble is, is everybody would understand that. It would be easy to enforce. You know, get out of my house. You know, even the IRS agents would have to be careful, you know, yeah. because of how they do all the re redistribution. But, you know, you talk about these long, complicated bills. But even now, even with this transition, uh, which I, I see a lot of good things happening, you know, over to Republican control of the House. But 
but Republicans have written some rules and laws. They're rather long and complicated, yeah. too. They're oh, yeah. capable of, of doing it because the power behind the scenes, the real power when it comes to the Federal Reserve and the foreign policy and all, you have a lot of people have to be protected because they have paid their way. They've paid their dues. I've sent you this, 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 and yeah. you owe this to me. I have a right to it because I sent you money. Yeah. And uh, the bills get longer and uh, more complicated. People get more confused. It's Sometimes they have, uh, it gets so bad, they don't know how much money's in the bank, and they have trouble passing these bills. <laughs> and it, uh, it could be a bit entertaining now that they're going to pass, uh, pass the budget. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, the other thing is, I, I don't want to pick on Republicans, you know that. But, <laughs> but in the old days, I can remember when we were taught that the communists were bad people, which <laughs> the Soviet communists were. But they had five-year plans, yeah. and we were always see five years and didn't work, and they're still doing it. <laughs> well, the Republicans have just given us a ten-year plan. Yeah. And, uh, um, <laughs> that, that's admitting they, they're not changing the principle, and it's just uh, it's just who has the political strength to do it, and who has the lobbying effort, and who has the power at the FBI and the CIA, and uh, all the shenanigans going on. Who runs government? Who's in charge of this coup anyway. Yeah. Well, it is kind of funny, Dr. Paul, for Sheila Jackson Lee to be all of a sudden very interested in hate crimes because she was notorious for being one of the most hateful members of Congress. And there were, I remember when we were there, article after article about how she treated her staff. Now, she went through chiefs of staff like most of us go through <laughs> underwear. I mean, she changed it once a day, if not more. Um, and she, her, I, her, she was known for her phrase, that she said to her staffer, and I won't repeat it obviously here, but it was, quote, you stupid MFR. And that was literally how she referred to her staff. You never referred to us that way. But that is, and that was in like articles like on, you know, uh, Capitol Hill newspaper. She was notorious. So one of the most hateful members of Congress who treated her staff among the worst of anyone in Congress, and that's saying a lot, now she's worried about hate crimes and being hateful. She even ran into problems because of that attitude on airplanes. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> you've read, right. You've read a little she bit She was about banned that. from one airplane, I think, at least. <laughs> yeah, maybe more than once. <laughs> so, all right. Anyway, we'll, we'll follow this. And it's, it's funny, but it's also a little bit uh, concerning. Well, let's move on to the next uh, story, Dr. Paul. And again, I mean, this is Jonathan Turley Day. We should we should send him a check from our <laughs> our massive bank. Account. Maybe maybe we ought to just get him in here and talk with Wait, us, sure, like yeah. he used. He was one of our early special speakers, on you know, Thursday in the, the Liberty Committee yeah. meetings and luncheon. And he spoke so, at two of our conferences. But, it, at but least. if we have him, we'll probably have to have lunch for him. <laughs> yeah, we'll get some shrimp. <laughs> well, let's look at this next piece because it is very interesting. Um, word from the wise is a play on words because he's talking about Douglas Wise, who's a former DIA and CIA operations officer. Former intelligence official admits that they always assumed the Hunter Biden emails were genuine. And Doug Wise is one of the ones who signed that letter saying this. Remember, just before just before the election, he signed that letter. Fifty intelligence professionals said this Hunter Biden laptop has all the makings of Russian disinformation. The effect of that was to bury the laptop in the whole Russiagate hoax and probably to help push Biden over the line, even though he had 850 million voters and votes. But this article is uh, 
funny at times. Some of this stuff, you have to make it funny or you'll get depressed. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, and when he was being described, I guess it was Wise who was talking about that, uh, yet, yet Wise still maintains that while true, he and other officials were right to call it as likely disinformation, arguing that something is true but still constitute disinformation sounds a lot like, well, disinformation. <laughs> yeah. So, so he, he hasn't backed away from it. He's just justifying. And that's a twist of, of values and twist of honesty and twisting of words. And uh, in, in a way, that's what, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sheila was doing extremely. Yeah. So, so he's saying this too. But at least, at least we're getting some benefit from him. You yeah, know, the fact yeah. that he's, he's even, he, he's sort of covering himself a little bit, but I don't think he does a good job at uh, making him look very saintly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say there, there is an element of truth in what he says, which is that disinformation will generally contain a lot of actual information. It's not made out of whole cloth. And obviously, if you're trying, if the Russians are trying to run some kind of an operation against the information operation against the U.S., they would take something generally true and use it to an advantage. So in one way, he's, he's right and he's clever about this. But on the other hand, what he actually is doing is burying important news for political reasons, even though he knows it's important and relevant. Let's do that next clip because this is something from Turley's article about it. He says, yes, it's no surprise to learn that the emails he helped spike were genuine, and he's not alone. Washington Post columnist Thomas Ridd wrote, quote, we must treat the Hunter Biden leaks as if they were a foreign intelligence operation, even if they probably aren't. And Turley says, let that sink in for a minute, for a second. It doesn't matter if they're real and not Russian disinformation, they should be treated that way. And the reason is, the unspoken reason is because it's to the political advantage of the candidate they prefer. So they use the weight of their history in the intelligence community. Oh, I can't tell you where I learned that, wink, wink, wink. They use that, the weight of that, the gravitas that they think that gives them, and it has given them, they use that to political ends. And that's a deeper problem, I think, Dr. Paul, yeah. that we have in society. And it shows you that they're not dumb. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they, they know how to use their, <laughs> their skills. And I, I see this as... Uh, uh, being very uh, systematically deceitful, yeah. you know, they are, they're, it's sophisticated in a way, and they are able to persuade people, so they're talking to a slightly different audience than maybe you might see on MSM uh, every night on television, but uh, no, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're aware of the fact. But, but I think that goes on steady, uh, you know, this whole thing about naming bills uh, in Congress. And I would always sell the staff, when, you, when you're studying a bill for me, look at the title, you probably don't, you'll probably know it, because it's going to be the opposite, <laughs> the opposite of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the anti-inflationary bill. <laughs> yeah. Well, they got what they wanted, they got Joe in office, so I guess it was a successful intelligence operation. I'm going to close out, Dr. Paul. I just had one little tidbit that I was going to throw out there for you. Because you remember Dr. Leanna Wen. She was a CNN doctor during uh, COVID. And she was on almost every day screaming about your mask and screaming about taking your shots and basically trying to silence anyone who challenged what the CDC said. And at the time, what people like us were saying, uh, which is that... Um, Something is fishy with the numbers because everyone who goes into the 
hospital and dies with a COVID test, died of COVID. And we said all along, and so many people, Peter McCullough and all the other doctors said, this is fishy, this is wrong. They're trying to pump those numbers up to scare people. Well, here's Leanna Wynn just yesterday. She's back on TV. Guess what she said, Dr. Paul? CNN's Dr. Leanna Wynn admits the U.S. has been dramatically overcounting COVID deaths. Says we need to start separating actual COVID deaths from deaths with COVID, which we said all along and many others like us, Dr. Paul, but now she doesn't want those numbers to be so high. So she's changing her tune. Let's remind everyone of the same Leanna Wynn and what she said just a little while ago. CNN's Leanna Wynn, the unvaccinated should not be allowed to leave their homes. <laughs> I think she should not be allowed to speak on the media. Yeah, you know, there's she she's talking about uh, the punishments. Yeah. You know, if you don't don't do as they say, and they they use it all the time. They will punish you. Will punish you. But sometimes, you you know, uh, they have to vary it a little bit. And California is very creative on this kind of stuff. So they 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 in, intimidate people, and uh, it isn't punishment. It's rewards. <laughs> we have suffered so much that uh, we have to take care of you and we have a few flaws in it that we don't know who should be rewarded and who shouldn't be but nevertheless everybody gets rewarded all they have to do is put their hand up and say i want my reward uh, it's a couple dollars five million dollars wow. per person because they because a great grandmother maybe suffered <laughs> or didn't even live in this country but uh, this is besides and so it's a, it's all a, a gimmick, another just gimmick to play on this uh, the hearts of people and make them feel bad and, and and responsibility. But there's good news in this. This brings brings this bankruptcy thing down sooner. And right now, California, they were they they must have had some pretty rich people there because in spite of all the junk they were doing. They had a huge surplus until a year ago, and now it's a huge deficit. So when it collapses, it goes fast. And that, uh, of course, you know what it's waking them up to, like uh, it is in the various liberal states, is we need more money from those people from Florida and Texas. You know, we're going to take it from them because we are one country and we have to help each other. So that, <laughs> that, that's going to end. But if we don't uh, guide people through this and suggest that it need not to be total disruption and total, uh, you, you know, uh, conflicts and fighting, is uh, we have to, uh, you know, have a plan for that. But right now it's coming, and uh, and they're going to have more demands and more demands. Because uh, you, you can imagine, you know, this, this whole thing, you know, this, it wasn't very simple and they haven't yet solved it, is how to make sure that uh, it's a secondhand gift. We give you free education and make the people now who, who work their way through college pay for them. The people who got the freebies, they don't have to pay it back and they're Mickey Mousing around with that. And uh, it's still not settled because it's so big. You know, but, the, but what about the deficit? <laughs> you know, 31 on, going on $32 trillion, and they, they think they can work this out. You know, you just have to get the right people to suffer, have them suffer. You know, <laughs> terrible. Yeah. yeah. I'm all Finish done, it. Dr. Paul. Okay, I want to, uh, of course, uh, uh, thank our viewers for once again tuning in today. 
uh, it's been very necessary, I think, to point out what is going on when we are always encouraged by having viewers. We really appreciate the comments that we get. And uh, we're going to continue plugging away because we're very confident that although far from perfect, uh, I think we're basically on the side of telling the truth compared to what we have to report on. And I think the American people are waking up because the one thing is the nonsense that we hear that was passed out is just, you know, uh, freebies and everything's happy and, and for a while and we have been so wealthy. Well, we're not so wealthy as we used to be because now we're uh, just living off the borrowed money and the fake money and the fake investments that have been going on for especially the last couple decades. But it's really been going on ever since we've had that Federal Reserve, and I'd like to know more about it. And that's why I'm still plugging away for an audit of the Fed and an exposure of exactly how they participate in all this nonsense. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.